it really does take us to be intentional as a society if we are going to move forward into a new level of awareness and newness and positivity and something that will be sustainable. What is up, People First Leaders? My name is Chris Lynn, and I am your advocate and host for the Leading People First podcast, where we are set to transform the workplace. Make sure you're subscribed so you can hear more from awesome leaders around the world on the effect that leadership has on the employee experience. Really quick before we jump into this episode, if you are shaken, confused, bewildered, or any other range of emotion from the events that took place here in the United States on January 6th, Look no further, I'm banding together with some other amazing leaders to discuss the subject of anti-racism and provide learnings for anyone who's interested. It's open to everyone, so feel free to reach out to me directly and we'll get you as involved as you would like. As a leader in your organization, are you thinking intentionally about what you are trying to achieve? What is your intention when you make certain decisions? People first leaders don't look at the bottom line or revenue streams first. They're intentional about the people they lead and allowing their teams to pursue a purpose-driven life within their organizations. I spoke with Ronice Felicia Lada, the CEO of New Levels LLC and author of the book, The Layover. Ronice is dedicated to help develop, equip, and empower everyone to lead a purpose-driven life. Listen in on how Felicia leads individuals from surviving to thriving as the person each one of us was created to be. So let's dive on in. Hey, Felicia, thank you so much for coming on the Leading People First podcast. It's great to have you and be able to chat with you again. Hi, Chris. Thank you for having me. It's great to be with you this morning. Yeah, absolutely. To kick it off, like I do with all of my other guests, what does it mean to you to lead people first? What does it mean to me to lead people first? It means to have an unselfish attitude when it comes to your work. For me, leading people first has to do with being an example um, that you want others to, to be. You can't just offer lip service when you're a leader. You have to walk the walk and talk the talk. <laughs> in, in short, that's what it means to be a leader. Absolutely. The, the action and the integrity that is required for all of us is, is incredibly important, especially for and, those... Um, who, especially when people aren't watching, right? I think mm-hmm. that that's, that speaks more volumes than than anything, and that's um, how you present yourself when you are alone, and how you act uh, and fight for your team when they are not around is more important than when they're around. Absolutely, so. you know, it, it's about action and intentionality. Absolutely, right. You you have to be intentional with the things that you do. And, you know, contrary to what people want to believe, we are a leader, whether you want the title or not, (laughs) right? We we all have a circle of influence, starting with our home. Yes. If you're a parent, um, you're you're a leader to your children. Yeah. You know, Um, so I, I think No matter where you are, um, you have a circle of influence where people are always watching you, whether they comment on it or not. Absolutely. I can't tell you enough or, you know, or I can't agree with you more. uh, And I can't tell you how many times I've had to have that conversations with uh, individual leaders who 
don't believe that they have a leadership capability because they don't have a title or that they, you know, or they might be more introverted and they say, well, I'm not, I'm not a leader because I'm not extroverted. And there's so many misconceptions that we have as a society about leadership. Before Mm -hmm. we dive into it, how, how did you learn your lessons of leadership? How did you get to where you are today? Well, after college, I was fortunate enough to be hired by a major company that you may have heard of, General Electric. It was actually one of their subsidiaries, GE Capital. And I had a long career there for 26 years. And so I had various um, jobs ranging in accounting all the way up to management. And so I was a lifer there for 26 years working with people and GE was a leader in the industry with the business that they did, the various businesses. And I was with their commercial real estate business and we were a leader in that industry. And so I was fortunate enough to be at a company where the world was watching. And when I first went, our CEO was Jack Welch and Jack was a leader among leaders. And GE had a, a, a reputation for grooming strong leaders. Mm-hmm. And so it, it wasn't, you know, they also had management programs. Now, I never went through one of the management programs, but many of the people who were my managers had gone through the program. And so it was one of those things where, like you were saying a few minutes ago, it's not always about a title. Um, it's not always about um, people putting you through a specific program but just by example, by the way people move, you know, I learned a lot from my managers um, without them saying, Ronice, this is what it, how you are to be a leader. There was enough space for me to watch them and to also just use my own personal style, yeah. you know, in order to lead the people. When I, when I got to the point of leading people, managing people, it, it came naturally to me. I think part of being a leader also for me is that I'm the oldest of two, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, and so um, for me, I've I've always uh, taken my little sister under my wing and was always mindful that she was watching me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I I don't know if you have any siblings, but yes, it was always important to me to lead by example, starting from a young age. Um, that, you know, I, I would be the change that I want people to see or that I would be the person that I would, you know, want people to look up to. Yeah, that's so funny. Um, I Well, first off, I yeah, I have two younger brothers and I wish I had that knowledge and wisdom that you had when you were younger because I did not do that with my brothers and I wish I had. Um, mm. You know, not that anything bad happened, but I, I definitely could have been a better brother in that sense, um, being the oldest to two younger brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that we also don't encourage necessarily or even teach in our education system is this concept of leadership. And these, again, these people skills, like these are skills that we try to teach individuals like in the work environment you know, mm-hmm. when they get into the workforce after they're 18, 
and a lot of our formative and normative years are before that, right? Or, or they are before that. And right. so we miss out on the opportunity of educating our society, our youth, to what leadership should actually be or what it means to be a leader um, because they, they might have this not per- perverted is too strong of a word, but they have might have a misguided representation of what leadership is based on what they see and hear in media, right? Because children are so consumed by media um, and and very influenced on what they see around them. So it, it there's an I think a lost opportunity is what I'm saying there. Um, and something that I want to share with you is uh, a word of praise from Robbie Jenkins talking about. Uh, how he's known you since adolescence and <laughs> what he what he said was that uh, even though he's known you since adolescence even then Felicia displayed a quiet empathetic spirit she also had a gift for leadership by example Felicia was and consistently is the epitome of positivity this is the primary tool of executing the team-oriented philosophy that draws others towards her Always supportive, always encouraging, always Felicia. Oh, <laughs> Chris, <laughs> you just brought tears to my eyes. <laughs> number one, the shock that you spoke to Robbie, and number two, the <laughs> words you just read. <laughs> well, those were his words. Those are his <laughs> words. Uh, that was a direct quote, right? <laughs> yes, it, it was. Um, oh, and wow. but I, I think that just proves that you've had that that ability ever since you were younger. So the the next question I want to ask around that is, you know, what what are some opportunities that we have currently to um, to teach the leaders in our lives today? Yeah, um, you know, I'm just thinking about how we're going through, the world is going through this pandemic and have been and will be for, you know, a little while longer for the foreseeable future. And what just came to mind is that for some reason, I felt a responsibility to be that leader to my sister. It could be because we came from a single parent household Mm -hmm. and it was just the three of us. But to tie that word responsibility into what we're experiencing with the pandemic, we are no longer the society where it's okay to be selfish and to only think about ourselves, Mm -hmm. right? This pandemic has taught us that we have to be concerned about our brother, our sister, the person next to us. That's what wearing a mask is all about, right? Mm -hmm. Not just protecting ourselves, but protecting those around us. The social distancing is about keep an ample amount of space between yourself and the next person. It's about protection, yeah. not just for today, but for the future. And it's also that whole thing where even if you don't want to wear a mask, wherever you stand on the whole debate about wearing a mask, not wearing a mask, it's about respecting the person next to you. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think the whole sense of responsibility and unselfishness is where we are where we are today where people are more mindful than ever that it's not just about me when it comes to anything anymore 
right? It's not mm-hmm. just about me. It's about you. It's about the person next to you. And that means it's about you being that leader, that responsible leader in your household, again, as you're teaching your children and requiring of your family members to wear their masks, whether they want to or not. Mm-hmm. It's about when you go into the office. It's about when you go to the grocery store. So it's about anyone you interact with, right? On any level of relationship. Yeah. We're in relation with everyone now. Yes. <laughs> Right. Even if you don't know them, when you're walking on the street, everyone is respectful of everyone else's and mindful of everyone else's space. Yeah. Very. That's so true. It's um, the thing that I think of is, you know, every time I go to the store now, like you said, right, it's having this hyper aware sense of like okay what is that person going to be doing at least this is for me right what is this Mm -hmm. what is that person going to be doing that's approaching me or the person that's in line like is there something that I can do for them um even if it's just to either back off or Mm -hmm. you know or to just say like they're like hey like can I you know whatever it might be Mm -hmm. um you know there's been instances when some individuals need like help grabbing something from the shelf right like something as simple as that yeah I see that in our society yet I don't see it in the workplace so how do we transfer that level of understanding and compassion from the societal impact that we have right now during the pandemic and how do we get our leaders at work to actually display more compassion and empathy yeah it goes back to that word intentionality right the the leaders Um, And these organizations have to acknowledge that the world has changed and we are not going back to the way we were. So Mm -hmm. first it takes the leaders to acknowledge the reality of our new norm to some extent. Um, You know, and I think DEI plays into that, Um, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, where we we have two pandemics going on, right? We have the coronavirus pandemic, and then we have the whole racial divide and um, issue um, pandemic that we are experiencing. And there is a commonality between the two. And so I think for companies that are acknowledging that there are two pandemics, whether they refer to them as such or not, um, those leaders are being intentional in driving change. And number one, they are starting with acknowledging that there's a problem. Number two, they're heightening their awareness by um, talking about it, either bringing in outside professionals or they're just having roundtable candid discussions. Um, I think that is, is where it starts. Leadership always Um, change always starts at the top. And when it comes to a company, at least in the companies that I've been in, because the leaders are the ones that set the expectation. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I love what you say it said about the need to acknowledge it. You know, uh, in my work, working around change around you know, around change management, you have to acknowledge anything that is an issue, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and just like you said, if there's an issue at, at hand, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, a process issue, a, you know, an employee issue or a, um, you know, again, anything around 
the racial divide that we have or the racial issues, the systemic racism that we're dealing with, we have to acknowledge that it's a problem to begin with. Because mm-hmm. once we acknowledge it, then we can actually be aware of it and we can be more intentional, like you said, about what we need to do next. And that is very something that we, we miss is because that's a very uncomfortable conversation for a lot of people, especially mm-hmm. around diversity, equity, and inclusion is that, you know, we, a lot of individuals, I would count myself in that conversation as well, um, you know, before is just not knowing what to say, not knowing what to do, not mm-hmm. knowing how to act because we've never had to deal with that before. So right. how, how, what, in your experience, how do we provide the space to allow organizations and leaders to make mistakes and have those uncomfortable conversations? You, you create the space. <laughs> I mean, it really is just that simple. I've been working in the educational space. Um, not, I'm not in corporate any longer. Um, I have not been there for three years. I've been doing something else that I'm sure we'll talk about on some of that later. But I've been in the educational space and I see parallels as it relates to the educational space because that's a working environment as well. Um, Working with teachers, faculty, administrations um, around DEI subject matters. And like you said, it's it's uncomfortable, right? But this whole pandemic, the whole um, systemic racism conversation, the whole um, wear a mask, not wear a mask, the whole... um, talking to someone who just lost a, lost a loved one due to coronavirus. All of that is uncomfortable. But we don't grow in the space of, of discomfort unless we, we don't grow in a place of comfort, right? We grow when we step outside of our comfort zone. And, and that's the challenge, right? That's the challenge. And so the answer in my opinion, Drew, to your question is how do we do that and we make room? How do we do this in the working environment? It goes back to the leaders. They have to create the space. Um, it's, it's necessary for forums to be um, had. It's, it's necessary for there to um, safe spaces to be created during the workday. Listen, a lot of people are working from Zoom. So you're already in the comforts of your home. Right, so you may not have all the comfort that one wants, but you are at least at, have the comfort of your home. And then you can have this forum where everyone comes together on Zoom. And again, intentionality, I'm sorry I keep saying that word, but it really does take you, us to be intentional as a society if we are going to move forward into um, a new level of awareness and, and newness and positivity and something that would be sustainable, right? Because we don't want to just talk about these things during this time of quarantine, during this time of pandemic, and then once we get past it, everyone goes back to the way they used to be. It needs to be something that is instituted into these organizations where the conversations are just the starting points, right? The, the, The forums are just the starting point so that people can just be vulnerable And that's a word you don't hear too much, right? But that's where we are. And I have come to find, Chris, that when we're vulnerable, we inherently give others permission to be vulnerable. Yeah. 
And, and that's where we are as a society, you know, that people just need to be honest about what they're feeling. The anxiety that that one may be feeling around coronavirus, um, the, the um, pain that African-Americans have never verbally stated to their coworker about, you know, some things that they feel. Um, the questions that maybe some white people may have, you know, that they always wanted to know. You know, this is the space, this is the time to start having those conversations um, so that people can, um, who work together, keeping in the work environment, people who work together can take the mask off. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we need to put the mask on as it relates to the coronavirus, but we need to take the mask off as it relates to the other. <laughs> yes. You know, for people to just be honest and open with one another. I think that's how we grow in relationships. And that's what it's about now. It is about growing relationships, growing personal growth, yes. Personal growth, yes. The professional, the professional growth is going to be there. There's always going to be the, the programs, the management programs. There will always be colleges and university and educational sessions that will attend. So the professional development is there. It's that personal growth that I'm most concern about in this space and time. We, we, I think we often forget about personal growth, um, especially when it comes to when we talk about professional growth is that um, when we think about growth, we think about, well, what are we going to do in our, you know, our career, you know, how are we going to get that promotion that, you know, next raise, whatever it is. And you really focus on that professional growth, but you, a lot of times I've, I've my, I would count myself in this group is you forget about what you're doing to work on yourself. How are you going to grow yourself? How are you going to be uncomfortable and, and push yourself to be a better person in the next hour, in the next day, in the next week, year, right? So mm -hmm. um, that's, very, that's very true is we have to think about what are we going to do to grow in that sense. And I'd love to talk more about what you are have been doing these last few years of how you have stepped away from, you know, the, uh, from the corporate world and doing what you are doing now. So could you share a little bit more about what you're doing now and that personal growth step that you had to take in order to get where you are now? Yeah. And so, you know, as we think about our professional development, we're, we're using our, it's our mental muscle. We're, we're thinking about our mind more than anything and how to get to the next step as it relates to how we can better ourselves in order to get that, um, that promotion, you know, that you we were talking about. But after I took a step back um, and it, it wasn't, and it wasn't something that I saw coming very much like the pandemic that caught us all off guard. Um, I had to step away from corporate America because I was laid off. The, business, the company I worked for decided to sever its financial services on. And the business I worked for was the first on the chopping block. And so um, our commercial real estate portfolio was sold and the people did not go with any of the um, acquisitions or sales. And so I was put in a space where I had to transfer from mind to heart 
you know, it took me on a journey um, that set me on a journey where I really had to sit with myself. And I had to figure out what I wanted to do and um, what steps I was going to take next. And it took some time to figure that out. And I'll be totally honest with you, for a while, my mind and my heart were at complete odds. It took some time to switch modes, right? I have been on this professional, corporate, fast-paced wheel (laughs) for 26 years. Yeah. Four years in college prior to that, you know, and so um, it took some time to um, make that switch. But I, I bring in the heart because the heart of the, the heart is at the heart of the matter. I think when it comes to everything that we're we are talking about as it relates to um, this pandemic and, and personal growth. Um, you know, how one sits with how one sits with oneself and be honest with oneself. We need to be honest with ourselves before we can be honest with someone else. Mm -hmm. And so I had to sit with myself long enough to say, okay, how did you get in? What did you do to contribute to getting to this point and finding yourself in this place? Granted, I had nothing to do. There was no fault of my own reason why I was laid off because thousands of us, everybody, you know, um, was, was laid off and had to figure out where to go next. But how did I contribute to the fact that I was now laid off and I didn't know, I didn't have a plan B. Does that make sense? I, yeah. I had to, you know, sit with that. Yeah. And and that caused some emotions that I found myself in a place where I didn't know what my alternative was going to be. So long story short, after um, some time and after writing a lot. Writing um, was very therapeutic for me. It, um, it helped me um, gain some clarity. It get, helped me um, define and remind myself of who I was and whose I was. Um, I'm, a, I'm a Christian woman. And, um, you know, when you get in those spaces of confusion and uh, uncertainty and uncomf- discomfort, which is I was in unfamiliar and uncomfortable spaces, in an uncomfortable and unfamiliar space, Chris, after I was laid off, because I had always been very intentional about my next steps. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> it was, I was a planner. Yeah. And I wasn't much of a risk taker. And so everything was always calculated with my moves. So once I found myself in this space of um, being unemployed, that was uncomfortable, it was unfamiliar. And I had to seek God and scripture and, um, and my outlet was writing in order to get out what was being poured into me, you know, the messages the inspiration that was coming into me to help me navigate this space came out in writing form. And it was very therapeutic and um, it was a light unto my feet, <laughs> you know, that helped me find my way out of the darkness. And to my surprise, my writings culminated into a book that was published on January 7th of this year. 
And that set me on a path that I could not have ever imagined and what has led me to sitting here chatting with you today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I think what you dealt with, you know, those, the few years ago is what a lot of people are dealing with now. And you, you and I chatted about this before is this space of an uncertainty, right? Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot for people to be comfortable with that. There's, mm-hmm. there's a lot um, because so, so much of our life is actually dictated to us unless we really take hold of what we want to do. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot for us to step out of our comfort zone to really, again, going back to growing and, and personal growth, it, it takes a lot for us to take that step. Um, and some of us are forced into it, right? Like I was, yeah. I was laid off earlier this year as well. So, I mean, I, I, I get that state of being pulled, like your sense of identity, all of a sudden just being ripped away from Yes. Yes. And so that's something that a lot of organizations need to understand is that if you do have to go through layoffs or you do have to make drastic changes that the employees are very tied. People are very tied to their jobs, right? Mm -hmm. Mentally, emotionally. So if you change something in that scope in that area whether or not it's a job change a positional change unfortunately something like a layoff like you have to understand that that is going to be an emotionally jarring thing for your employees Um, and so but it's great you know I I can't wait to read your book Um, I have I have to pick it up but I think that um we have to help people find ways to ground themselves and yes, allow mm-hmm. them to grow. And it, for, for you, it was spirit. It was uh, going back to your Christian faith mm-hmm. for others. It's, it can be completely different, their own mm-hmm. faith, their own belief, but there's always a way for us to help people ground themselves as well as what you said is align your heart and mind. Right. It because, is critical. Yeah. It's absolutely critical. There, there's a quote um, that John Maxwell said that I love that says, change is inevitable, growth is optional, mm-hmm. right? And, and it's so true. It, it's, it's short, simple, and sweet, and true. Yeah. Change is always going to come, no yeah. matter what. As sure as the sun rises in the morning, you know that change is, is, is on the way. Yeah. But growth is optional. We, we can choose to grow. Um, I, I like to say that life is filled with transitions. Don't just go through it, grow through it. Um, but it's an option. And um, just thinking back to um, the question you asked earlier about what companies can do, I, I actually see um, as a form of social responsibility um, for companies that they owe it to their employees particularly now, especially in this season that we're experiencing to not just um, give them their pink slip as they used to say back in the day, to release them out into the street on their own without providing them with some help, some tools. Yeah. Um, because 
There are people, whether you were on a job for 26 years like me, so there are people who are on a job for three years, five years, 10 years, 15 years, you know, just whatever number of years. But to your point, loss is loss. And people are experiencing loss of loved ones, but they're also grieving the loss of their careers. They're grieving the loss of relationships. They're grieving the loss of, like you said, identity. These are things that I went through. And I did not realize until much later in the process that I was grieving. I didn't identify my, my strong, deep sadness um, that I was feeling and could not shake months after the layoff. I didn't identify it as grief until a friend actually pointed it out to me. And there are so many people who are grieving right now and don't realize it. And there are so many people who have been laid off who don't have a clue about what to do next. Yeah. You know, what their next what their next step should be. And so I believe that one thing that companies can do is they can at the very least provide guidance, even if they have to outsource it, yeah. you know, um, to a third party company in order to work with individuals in order to figure out where they go, can go from here. There's, I, I can't agree more with, with that is, again, when we look at this notion that I've been exploring, right, with leading people first, again, you have to, it's not just as simple as saying, like, cutting ties with people between organizations and, and individuals, your now former employees, you have to think about employees as a whole, like, okay, yeah, there's a business side to this conversation but then there's also a people side to this conversation and the thing mm-hmm. that I've, I've said before is you know people are not business decisions they might be right. part of business decisions but people themselves are not business decisions you cannot treat them as mm-hmm. oh we're going to cut this expense here like cutting out like untethering that emotional element is incredibly just uncompassionate and, and just it's harsh. It's incredibly harsh. And so we have to, we have to think about like, okay, well, what is, what's going to happen here if we make this change or if we make this decision? And again, it goes back to, I think this is the theme, right? Of intentionality. What is the intention that we're going to have? What is, what is this, what's the intention that we are going to have with this decision or why are Mm -hmm. we making this decision? What is that impact going to be? And I think that um, we, we need to have more of that. We need to have more of that discussion. Because Absolutely. It, because it's always like, well, what is the impact it's going to have on our business? It's like, no, what is the impact going to have on our employees' lives, right? Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. We need more leaders to lead with heart. And I think that's part of what it means to lead yeah. um, with heart, lead people with heart is that you have compassion um, for your employees. And you care about the whole, the wholeness, you know, of, of the person yeah. that you you are leading. Um, outplacement services are becoming very popular um, when it comes to layoffs. I know my company um, offered that paid for several months of us to have outplacement um, services rendered to us to help us with our resume, LinkedIn, um, you know, writing, um, getting ready for interviews and that things of that nature. So a lot of companies are, are doing those things. And so 
I would encourage any leader that's listening out there that's in a position where they can make this type of um, decision if you're not doing it to consider it. And out of my book, Chris, was actually birth a business because I just became passionate about helping others to do what I'm doing, which is to, um, you know, walk in a more greater light of fulfillment and um, authentic success, right? Mm-hmm. We, we can define what success looks like for ourselves. Um, we don't have to necessarily run back to a nine to five that um, traditionally what people do. I never thought about being an entrepreneur before I was thrust into this space of (laughs) uncertainty and unemployment, frankly, never even thought about it. Right. And so there are so many of us that are working so hard in other businesses where we're helping other people's dreams to come true while we put our own on the back shelf, you know, and so I want to help people, and that's that's what New Levels is all about. It's designed to help develop, equip, and empower people to pursue a purpose-driven life, to tap into your giftings, and to recognize that we're all born with gifts and talents, um, and I believe that all our gifts and talents are tied to our purpose in life. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 just move from a state of just surviving you know, to thrive and as the person each one of us was created to be. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, something that I think that we have to do as, again, as leaders is, is needing to help our teams connect to their purpose mm-hmm. and helping them step into their talents, right? Yeah. Um, and we need to help them find the talents that they have and help them, uh, you know, really kind of work to fulfill what they deem as their purpose. Because if we, if we, if we don't, um, that's when you see engagement drop, right. And that's when you see, um, that's when you see work kind of not be a priority or, or the productivity drops. So it's really important for organizations and leaders to really focus on empowering their employees and helping them find their purpose, as well as helping them align the purpose that they have with what they can do at the organization to help them fulfill their purpose. Absolutely. Because while they are working in the company, that's the way you get the optimal level of, of them, you know, of who they are. You, the the company will, will benefit from the optimization of who this person is because they'll be doing something that is engaging, something that is rewarding to them. And and just recognizing the fact that this is where we are as a country, that there will be more layoffs. You know, there's a good chance that once you walk into another office and get another job after a layoff, unfortunately, there's a good chance you may be laid off again. Mm -hmm. So again, going back to that social responsibility piece of corporations, you know, while these people are with you, help groom them to be the people they were created to be so that when they leave, they're not starting from scratch, you know, from square one, we're trying to figure it out, you know, the next job that they choose to do, whether it's go to another job or whether it's go off and try something entrepreneurial, um, it'd just be a continuum with their personal and professional growth. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, I want to, 
before we end, I want to read one more bit of praise from the amazing individual who actually connected us, Yvonne Alston. And Yvonne said, the moment I met Felicia, her welcoming spirit shined so brightly through her smile. There is so much depth to her character and beauty in her heart. She's a truly genuine soul of goodness. She is very attuned to the struggles of the human condition and the pain and uncertainty people feel. But her spirit taps right into that. And with all of her expertise, she helps you bring back bring you back to the center of yourself and you begin to see your life and possibilities much more clearly. She really does help encourage and empower you to live an intentional purpose-driven life. Felicia will help you on the journey to reach new levels. Mm. Oh, Yvonne, thank you. (laughs) So, So on that note, as we end, the last question I would like to ask you is what is the impact? And I think we've talked about this a little bit before, but to really put it out there in words what is it the impact that you're looking to leave on people yes legacy something that I hadn't thought too deeply about again before past few years with the journey I've been on and the the impact that I I pray that I leave on people is I want people to know that they matter I want to leave a legacy that says that I was here. You don't want to leave this earth and it's, um, it, it didn't matter that you were, you were here. And that is what I, I see now is that it's important that to me that people know that I've walked in purpose and not just any purpose, but God's purpose and that I fulfilled what I believe I was put on this earth to do. And it took adversity to thrust me into my destiny. And so I would encourage everyone who's listening to, if you find yourself in a space of um, adversity, just a place of where you're just confused and don't know what to do, to don't give up. To, To don't give up, to look within, look within yourself, look within your heart. And, and really seek out and pursue your purpose because you will find that is where your happiness, where joy resides. It's not even about the happiness, but that is where you will find where joy resides. And that will help you to move forward um, during dark times in order to keep moving towards the light and find that light again. And so Chris, I'm so thankful for um, this time uh, <laughs> that we've had together, it, it is a pleasure um, talking to you. And I think that's a great way to end it with talking about legacy, because that is always on the forefront of my mind now, how my actions are impacting the person next to me. And thank God I now have a book that will always be here, yeah. you know, <laughs> that will always be here that will remind people that I passed this way. And so it's up to everyone else to find what that long lasting thing that will surpass their life that will be here um, to let people know that you were here and that your presence mattered. Absolutely. Well, where can people connect with you? Where can people find your book? And and where can people again, connect with you and, and learn more about the amazing work that you're doing? Yes. Well, people can go to www.newlevelswithronice.com. And that's Ronice spelled R-O-N-I-C-E. 
there you there's a link where you can purchase my book but you can also purchase my book um, anywhere at amazon.com um, barnesandnobles.com which is bn.com anywhere where books are sold online um, you can find the layover devotionals for when you're between where you were and where you're going and I'm also happy to say that um, the layovers in selected Barnes and Noble stores as well in Stanford and um, Danbury, Connecticut. I know you're you're all the way in California, <laughs> but those who are in the in the Connecticut area can go to actual brick and mortar store and pick it up. And so I'm excited about that. And lastly, people can look um, find me on Facebook at Ronice Felicia Lada. You can also find me on Twitter at Ronice Lada, and you can find me on Instagram at Ronice Lada, and that's R-O-N-I-C-E Lada, L-A-T-T, okay? And lastly, I say if there's anyone who would like to email me, um, I can be um, reached at www, excuse me, I can be um, emailed at Lada at gmail.com. Well, uh, wonderful. Thank you again so much. I, um, I really appreciated you coming on and, uh, I, I, I'm glad that we could chat again because this was, this was a lot of fun to be able to chat again. So thank you again. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the leading people first podcast. For both Felicia and myself, we kept coming to the word intentionality, so really that's what my biggest takeaway was. I hope you can start looking at your intentions and then the impact that you want to have on those that you lead. Speaking of intentionality, again, the reason I wanted to get some leaders together to talk about the events on January 6th was to create a space for people to talk safely and to also learn more. We are being very intentional with this effort, so be sure to check it out. If you want a preview of these meetings, you can go back to the episode that was released on January 8th. I recorded that entire conversation and released it out to the world just so people could explore and learn more about what we're doing. Let's keep the conversation going. Hit that subscribe button and share with us what you loved most about this episode on LinkedIn and Instagram. Thank you again for tuning in. Keep leading people first and stay awesome.